everybody. Good evening. We're now trying this once again. <laughs> We're live around the world. To God be the glory and Lord Jesus magnified. Amen. Um, I, I, I tell you, anybody ever had emotions that, that you have super joy at the same time super, super anger? <laughs> Gary, last night, shortly after midnight, God gave us a gift so precious he gave us our number six grandchild no. our daughter our, uh, Melissa uh, brought into the world little Belle, Belle Autumn and uh, uh, Autumn I, I guess I'm saying that right I want to call her Bella like my wife does and I'm okay with that but Gary um, Satan wanted to take her last night but God said no. Lord. And uh, we're, we're excited that, because her and her mom both was in jeopardy last night. And they did an emergency C-section. And so we, we thank God for um, the healing hand of Jesus Christ and giving men wisdom on what to do. But she, she, she's gorgeous. I'll show you pictures in a little bit. I have not seen in person yet. My wife held her last night, and uh, it was an instant relationship between the two. <laughs> um, but there's something to learn from that tonight in tonight's lesson. We're going to be looking at a relationship with God through the eyes of an infant church called Current. And we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul's letter and a portion of what we know as chapter 9. Yeah. And, and Gary, um, Michael's going to get those uploaded so that you can go back and, and the world can go back and look at those other chapters. Listen to them, shall I say. But it's fascinating how infant children, if not being led properly by parents, can go astray very fast very fast and uh, such was what the case of the church in current and they even got to the point as we're seeing here and I'm sure Gary and others did their homework um, and you're going to see them challenge Paul authenticity of being an apostle and this wonderful, loving man of God is about to, I, I don't like necessarily using the, the term, he's going to put them in their place, but he certainly is going to correct them. And he's going to bring about some stuff that's, that's, that's going to challenge their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, because when they question Paul's ability to be what God has ordained him to be, they question the authority of God. And I would say nearly 2,000 years later, that has not changed. People are still challenging the authority of the church in, in Jesus Christ today. And that's why society does what it wants to do and individuals do what they want to do 
irrespectable to God. And that's bad. Well, Michael, you have some prayer requests. Yes, sir. Go for it. Um, I'd like everybody in the church to pray for my mother. She is an uh, alcoholic. She live on it. Okay. My father, um, he doesn't know the Lord. He's a good person, but he's never committed his life to Christ. And I pray that he could be saved and do that. And also for myself, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've made some sins and I've been to God and done wrong things. And I'm asking for prayer for him. Okay. That's, Michael, it's very huge what you just did. Took a lot of courage to call your parents out like that and to call yourself out. But Lord Jesus said that unless we come to him and allow our sins to be exposed, the darkness in us to be exposed by the light, and he's the light of the world, he said there can be no forgiveness of sin. And that word expose is not necessarily the way we think of exposing something, Gary. You know how we bring things and people go, oh, wow, he just got busted. He's not referring to the Greek word there that's used for expose does not only mean to bring it to someone's attention, but it means to eradicate the behavior. And so when Lord Jesus said, when you come to me and your sins are exposed, that darkness is exposed by the light, what happens when you shine a light on darkness? There's no more darkness. It's gone. There it. And in a sense, that we can look back on the day of creation when God said, let there be light. And, and, and at this point on day one, everybody, I need to remind you that God had not yet created the sun or the moon or the stars. That didn't happen until day four. But he said, and let there be light. And the light came forth. What did it do? It dispelled the darkness. Okay. And that's part of creation. So Jesus recreates the person. So we're going to pray for you folks. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray and thank God for little Belle and her mom, my daughter, Melissa. We want to thank God for others. Uh, Brother Amelia is not here right now. I don't know why they're not here. Normally, I would have gotten an email telling me one way or the other why they're not here. And... Uh, Today, Satan battled me all day long. And, and I'm here to tell you that um, Reuben and I spent the day together and it was one issue after the other trying to get back to the food bank to pick up stuff. And the devil just kept throwing stumbling blocks before us. But you know what? God, God is good all the time. All the time. And so we, we thank God for it. Uh, Gary, is there a prayer request on your end? Okay. How's uh, Winter and Little Man? 
Okay. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and let's ask. Let's do something so wonderful. While I'm while I'm uh, praying, why don't y'all just burst out with praise? Give God some glory. Just tell him, tell him how great he is, and that you love him, and that you truly appreciate his son Jesus, and love him. Let's pray, Father. We thank you so much for you and your son Jesus, Lord God. There's no one like you. You have no equal. You have no peer. You are the only living God, and your name is holy. And your son, Jesus, Father, is just like you. He's holy, and his name is holy. And Father, we, we love him, and we thank you that you sent him to us. And Lord, the work that he did, he said he came. John said he was manifested, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. And we're so glad that today we stand on that promise that, Lord Jesus, through your death on the cross, you did destroy the works of the devil. And no matter what is unfolding around us every day, the evil deeds, the wicked deeds, Lord Jesus, when men, women, and boys and girls come to you, you destroy those works in their lives. And you make all things new. And so, Lord, we're praying now for Michael's mom. We're asking, Lord, that you would send your spirit to draw her to Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we know that all who the Father give to you, you will in no wise cast out. And we thank you, Lord, that nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible. No human heart is so far gone, Lord, that you cannot save. You, you said through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah, is your ear heavy that you cannot hear? And are your arms shortened that you cannot save? The answer to both of those questions, Heavenly Father, is absolutely not. And that's why you sent your son Jesus, because your ear does hear and your arms do save. And we thank you, and we lay her at your feet, at your throne of grace, knowing, Lord, that you are going to save her. And also for his father, Lord, good man, but good people die and go to hell every day because they refuse you, Lord Jesus. And we're asking you now, Holy Spirit, to touch Michael's father's heart. Break down that wall, tear down that partition, and destroy the heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh that will hear your gospel and respond to you, Lord Jesus. We're asking that you do that now, Lord. And also, Father, for Michael, Lord, you told Israel through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah that you're forever married to the backslider. Lord, you're married to Michael, Lord Jesus. You are the bridegroom. And we are the bride. And you love this man. And you're not going to let him go. And we're asking now that you touch his heart and give him a heart of repentance. And Lord, thank you for little Belle. Lord, how you saved her life last night. And you saved the life of our daughter. Father, we, we can't even begin to find him. How great you are. I thank you for Gary and his commitment to come to you, Lord, and study your word. And he has a hunger and thirst for your righteousness, Lord Jesus. And you said all who come to you 
and who are thirsty, and they will drink of the fountain of living water and never thirst again. And likewise for knowledge, you said, all who seek you will find you. And all who like knowledge, you will allow wisdom to be like a mighty flood rushing over them. And Lord, we also thank you for everyone that's here. We thank you for Reuben. Thank you for the day that you allow us to spend together. What a generous man. What a gentle man who loves you, Lord. Loves singing praises to you. And Father, I just pray that you anoint him and that you help him choose between Southern Seminary and CIU. I prefer CIU because I'm a graduate of CIU. But Lord, let your will be done. And Father, I also pray and ask you now, by your love and Holy Spirit, that you, Lord, teach this class as we look at this infant church and the struggles that they have. And Lord, we still have similar struggles today. Heal Shelley's cough, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Watch over your people around the world. Lord, take Israel, your treasure jewel upon the earth. Protect her, God. Protect Mount Zion. And come and sit upon your throne in Jerusalem. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Holy Spirit, teach us now what Lord Jesus wants us to know. It's in your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, one showed up. The other one? How's he doing? Hey, how are you doing? You doing okay? Good, good. Where's he at? He went with Crystal to the ER, both the kids. Oh, okay. That, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch the children and heal the mother's colds. Clear their lungs, Lord. Clear up the chills. Remove the fever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Here we are. Uh-oh. No, we're not. <laughs> I got a blue screen. Okay. Anyway, um, you would say, as you read this, someone may have made Paul man. Because the language in which he's demonstrating here, you, you can take that off with Take the little small box off. Let's 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 take a look. I'm gonna pull it up for us, please, quickly. All right, King James Version. For as touching the ministry to the saints, it is super. Oh, that's Second Corinthians. We need to be in First Corinthians, chapter nine. Chapter 9, verse 1. All right, go over there and hit your little box. Reconcile everybody. Yay! Thank you, Lord. I don't like to be on the wrong sheet of music. Okay. Look at this. Am I not an apostle? Why would he say such a thing? Because people are questioning. Because people are questioning his authenticity. Authenticity of uh, his apostleship. Mm-hmm. And today things have not changed. P- 
principal callings by the Holy Ghost is still being challenged today. That haven't changed. And some folks like to throw back on your face. I know what you were like. I know where you come from. But they forget, you may know my past, but he knows my future. And he knows my presence. Okay? He knows all of me. So, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Somebody that made this brother mad. Okay? See this word right here? Give me that pool stick, son. I'm not going to throw it at anybody. I just might hurl it back there if Chris would go to sleep. All right. Apostolos. That's where we get our word apostle. Okay? That means sent out. He's, am I not sent out? Okay? And this is word, this is a to be verb, am. And this is the word, this is the neg negative particle, not. Okay? So I say, am I not an apostle? Look at this. And then he says, have I not, okay, seen Jesus the Lord? Okay? And then he comes back and says, are you not my work? Ergo. Will we get the word ergonomics from? Mine says, are you not the result of my work? That's, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's a good translation. Because kyria, kyrio, right here, that's the word Lord in the Greek. And so, now he's calling them out. It's now for you to put up or shut up. It's now for you to prove who you are. Because I know who I am. I know who I am. That's the, that's that's what that's the language he's using, and he's in your, in in their face now in this letter. Listen, you're going to go out there and listen to these other people challenge my authority about Jesus. Okay, since you want to challenge my authority as G, you know, being an apostle of Jesus Christ, all right. Watch what it says. Okay. Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? He saw him in flesh. Yeah. Anybody know the story in Acts chapter 9? What happened to Paul in Acts chapter 9? Anyone know? Paul, known then as Saul, was on his way to Damascus with letters of authority from the high priest. To go and round up every Christian. Well, they were known as Christians, then they were known those of the way. Oh, somebody know. The way. Because Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. So they were called the way. And this thing was serious. You know how serious it was? It was a matter of life and death. And he was going to arrest them. Because he had the authority, had the papers in hand from the high priest to go on a seek and find mission. And it's almost like, Gary, you and I used to call in the military a seek and destroy mission. Okay? Find them, bring them to trial, 
we'll find them guilty, and we'll execute them. Okay? But except on this trip, on this trip, the greatest person to ever walk the earth ran interference. Okay? There was an interdiction that took place. That's military language. That means Paul cut him off. I mean, Jesus cut Saul off. Do you know the story? While he was on the road to Damascus, Jesus called them from heaven. Saul, Saul, why art thou doing what? Persecuting, Persecuting me. Mm -hmm. And he said, what was Saul's response? Anybody remember? Lord, Lord, Lord. He said, Lord, who are you? <laughs> First of all, how did he know to call him Lord? Because he had a voice that he used to hear. A voice of authority. Who are you? And then Jesus gave his credentials. I am Jesus. How would you like to be called out like that? <laughs> All of a sudden, you in one of God's children's face. And then you get a direct call from heaven. Michael! <laughs> what the Lord? I am Jesus. Whom you persecute. Followed by, it is hard to kick against the... What's a sharp pointed object called? Gorg. It's a sharp point they used to take and poke animals with. No, it was gourd. Or uh, pricks. Okay, another name was prick. It's hard to kick against the prick. A sharp pointed object. And, and, and if you recall, what was the footwear of that day, Gary? Sandals. Do you remember? Say it again. Sandals. Sandals. Only the rich people wore the, the leather covered sandals that covered the toes. So if you got an open toe sandal and you kick a prick, what's going to happen to you? Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. So Lord Jesus, it's hard to kick against the other one. When you mess with my people, you are messing with who? Me, said the Lord. So Jesus, our Lord, called them out on it. Called them out. And Paul said he saw the radiant light shine from heaven upon him. And the men with him saw it and became so afraid, the scripture said. And they even heard the voice. And them jokers took off. <laughs> they were scared. And then immediately, Paul was blinded. Really? Jesus blinded him. He got his attention. And said, but listen, I want you to go to the city. And there's a man named Ananias. He'll be waiting for you. And he's going to pray for you that you will receive your sight. At the same time, Jesus, our Lord, is talking to Saul. He was talking to who? Ananias. Boy, don't you love how God does things? I mean, a dual conversation miles apart. <laughs> Yet the same God. One God. 
And he's talking to him. And Ananias is, is, is shaking. He going, Lord, are you serious? You want me to do what? I want you to go to the, the street called Scrake, and I want you to meet one Saul of Tarsus. And I want you to get him and bring him in, and I want you to pray for him. But God, don't, Lord, don't you know what he did to your people? <laughs> yeah, I know what he did. That's why I'm sending you. <laughs> Where he have letters from the high priest to arrest? I know. You go pray for him. Get going. For he shall stand before kings and my people Israel and the Gentiles for me. He is a... But what did Lord Jesus tell Ananias about Saul? He is my chosen vessel. You are the Lord Jesus Christ chosen vessel. And you're not to be monkeying around with. Understand? And so these people were calling Paul out on his assignment from God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, you have no idea how I got my assignment. And you're calling me a false apostle? And basically when he said, have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? What he was saying is, have you seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Right. Like I have seen them. I have, have you? That's right. That's what he was saying. And you have to understand the language of the day. A question really is a reverse question. Uh, have you seen the Lord Jesus? Because I have. Now. And you are the, are you not the results of my work? My labor? My preaching of the gospel? Are you not saved? Did he not put their salvation in question then? When he said, are you not my work? Because if I'm not an apostle, you are not saved. That's pretty. Whew. You know, he turned the table. Yeah, he turned the table on him. Okay. He turned the table on him. So, verse 3. In fact, verse 2, I don't want to skip by. If I be not an apostle unto others, you doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are you in the Lord. Tozor. Somebody had to share the gospel with you. Somebody had to be sent by Jesus to tell you about him. And if you say that person is false, then how did you get saved? How did any of you get saved then? But the man or woman of God who was commissioned by God did not come to you by God. The Lord Jesus Christ did not send that person. Then how did it happen? Hmm. 
This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? And what he's saying here, he's comparing natural rights. You have the natural right, and also natural rights come from God. Am I right? right. You have the God-given right to eat and drink. Do you not? Then I have the God-given right to be an apostle. He's defending himself. Yes, he is. He's defending his calling, and he's defending the one who gave him the calling. Okay? Verse 5, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? as do other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Caiaphas. Okay, these are the rights that he's given us. Verse 6, or is it only, okay, got to jump up here. Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Okay, who's Barnabas? Why is this name popping up here? Yes. What does he mean by only I have to work for a living? Well, you have to know the background of Paul. And he gives us a little bit more evidence of this in, in his second letter to the Corinthian church. He said, look, I did not come to you asking you for anything to take care of me in order for me to preach the gospel. I see. He said, I worked with my own hands so that I wouldn't be in bondage to any of you all. So that, he said, even though it's lawful for me to ask you to provide for me, but to not live in that kind of bondage to make you think that you owe me, he said, I work with my own hand as a tent maker, as a tanner. Okay? He said, I provide for my own living. And yet, he kept preaching the gospel to them. So, he was under nobody's bondage. Nobody's yoke. Okay? How you think today, a lot of churches are not growing spiritually. Because they got the preacher where? Right here. But we'll fire you. Or we'll keep back your paycheck. Or we won't give you a raise. If you don't do it or we won't do this or we won't do that. Paul said, uh-uh. I didn't put myself in that kind of bondage with you. So he's a free man. And he said that in verse 1, didn't he? He said, I'm free. I'm not enslaved to you. Right. So, now he says, or is it only I and Barnabas who must work? Remember Barnabas? He was a, he was a, a murderer. Now, Barnabas is the cousin of one known as John Mark. Okay. The one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. He was the one that the Holy Ghost had said, set aside for me Saul and Barnabas for the work of the ministry. Okay, when they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit spoke out to the group of men and said, set aside for me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. Okay? 
And they paired up and they went on the first missionary journey together until they got almost through it. And John Mark, being young, said, I want to go home. <laughs> and Paul go, what? And Barnabas go, well, let him go. He can go. And Paul said, uh-uh. No, 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 no. He ain't following me nowhere else. <laughs> he, he basically, I'm giving you today's kind of paraphrasing. If he can't hang in there, <laughs> I don't want him. <laughs> no. And Paul and Barnabas split over that thing, but they came back together years later. Anyway. Verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and not and does not eat of its grapes? What does he mean? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written <clears throat> in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? No. In other words, you don't smack the hand that feeds you. That's what we say in English. Right, Gary? Yeah. Bite the hand. Or bite the bite hand. The hand. <laughs> That's it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I blew that one. <laughs> don't bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> and, and he's calling them out. Don't jump on the one who's taking care of you spiritually. Okay? Don't jump on God's anointed. Keep your mouth shut, basically. And give respect. Verse 10. Uh, let me look at the latter part of verse 9. Is God concerned with this foolishness? Is God concerned with all this stuff? No. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes. This was written for us because when the plowman plows and the threshers threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Paul said that if you're going to work, you ought to be expecting something in return. Okay? So if I'm preaching the gospel, I'm expecting something in return from you. I'm expecting you to act like Christians that you said you are. I'm expecting you to show God that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to expect you to act like this. Okay? And that's what a teacher does. Hey, Gary, you are a teacher. You teach automotives, right? At some point, you, you will want your student to demonstrate some kind of competence that they have learned something from you. So that you know that you're not spinning your wheels or wasting your time. Correct? Paul is the same way. He's saying to this church, and he said it earlier, are you not my labor, my work? Are you not the results of my work? Or are you? Are you the results of your pastor's work? Or are you? Have you learned anything since you've been coming here? Or have you? Or have I been up here by the Holy Ghost wasting God's time with you? So he's, he's calling them out.
Look at it careful. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is is it a great thing if we shall reap your cardinal things or earthly things? So, Miss Vicky, if I'm out here laboring, giving you the spiritual food from God, shouldn't you give me something back to help take care of me in order to further God's kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? So, if I'm laboring intentionally to bring you the gospel because I do study before I get up and preach or teach classes or preach a sermon. Okay? I, I just didn't lay in bed and all of a sudden all of this knowledge was downloaded in me and I get up every week and boom, there it is. <laughs> Same thing for you, Mr. Automotive Teacher. Am I correct? As much as you know your job, don't you still review the manuals? Of course. Yes. As much as you love your job, don't you still review? What about you? Don't you like to review? What about you in the classroom? Do you not review the material? You betcha. So, that's what, that's what he's, he's telling you. Okay? So, Because I do my work for the Lord Jesus Christ, then you should do yours too. And the Jews in this audience, in this Gentile predominant audience, would have known from the law of Moses that your 10% that's called a what? A tithe is used for what? furthering of the gospel. <coughs> and the law of the law of Moses for taking care of the priests, taking care of the tabernacle, taking care of the Levites because they couldn't own any land. That's what their tithes were used for. So the Jews sitting in the audience would should at very least understood this, right? But the Gentiles would have had a problem understanding this. So he's educating them again. Okay? Boy, don't you love the Lord. 12. I'm going to put 12 at the top, please, dear. So if others be partakers of this power over you, or not we rather I got a question for you verse 12 is kind of tricky isn't it what is it saying to you when you look at verse 12 Reuben what is it that Paul wants you to get from this what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in 2016 you bet you support his ministry If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? If you go out and you support ungodly people, and some of you do, some give great sums of money to secular charities, 
Am I right? For certain causes. But which have the higher calling? Is it not the work of Christ? And if the work of Christ is coming your way, shouldn't you be more uh, allegiant to God than man? Should you not support man more, I mean God more than man? I see what they're doing. So, but we did not use this right. Paul said, I didn't force it on you. Do you ever hear me tell you to get up and pay your tithe? Do you ever hear me tell you, go put an offering in the box? No. No. I don't push that right on you. That's between you and God. If you don't want to give Lord Jesus, if you don't want to support his ministry, on the day of judgment, when the church comes before him, he will call you out. Okay? He will call you out. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? Once again, this back he's describing what, Chrissy? He's describing the things under the law. You see that, Gary? He's describing the things under the law. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar sharing what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. I haven't seen you all yet, Roy, to check to me. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> But it is okay for men and women to be paid by the church. Because it's a full-time job. What did I spend doing today, Reuben? Even though Satan attacked us, it's still, I was going all day. Was I not? And it's all for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, but I have not used any of these rights and I am not writing this in hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. So look, if you think you're going to put him on the spot and and get him to such a point where you're going to start bragging about what you're giving him and what he's doing. He said he'd rather that God take his life. Now that's a commitment to Lord Jesus. That's the kind of commitment we need people today. That I'm going to go on and I'm going to do the work of Christ whether you give me something or not. And I'm not going to be tied down by you because you do give me something. That's what he's saying. And don't you ever call me out again about on my true calling as an apostle. 
Because my true calling is not determined by you. My true calling is determined by him. That's what he's saying to them. Okay? Verse 16, to the top, please. It says, Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am what? Compelled to preach. And then, here's the part in which we can glean from the latter part of verse 16. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And you can stick in there any calling that Lord Jesus has placed on you. And say, woe unto me if I don't teach, or if I don't go and evangelize, whatever the calling is, or play music, or teach music, woe to me. If it's being a doorkeeper, okay, as David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Okay, so if I'm just a doorman, I better be doing it. If I'm the janitor, I better be cleaning it. Okay? Because woe unto me if I don't do what God has called me to do. He's going to get into spiritual gifts here on a couple of chapters over. And he's going to talk about how some gift different from the others and how some are more prominent than others. And then he talks about that lesser gift that nobody really thinks about. And you can think about some of the lesser gifts here or in any in, in church body, uh, such as those who keep the infants. Nobody really goes, oh, yeah, you go, baby. Okay, way to serve the Lord. People don't do that for those who are keeping those children, do they? But what about the guy carrying out the trash and who's cleaning the toilet, that dirty toilet that you just got up from? And think, think about that, do you? But he said, those are the ones that you need to bring to the forefront and give as much honor to them as you do with that guy that got that PhD or that D-man sitting up there in a pulpit called the pastor. Okay? Because they, to God, they're on the same level. That's what he's going to cover next. I mean, he's really going to open these folks' eyes. So, woe to me. Anybody know what the word woe means? Have you looked it up in the Greek? Uh-uh. Woe is not a nice thing. W-O-E is not a nice thing. Woe. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Means God is going to get me for that. That means I have now come under the judgment of God. That's what he just said. Woe means coming under the judgment of Jesus Christ. So if you really want Jesus smack you side the head, stop doing what he called you to do. Okay? And until he give you your specific calling, guess where you think your calling need to be? Sitting right where you are right now, learning. That's where your calling is supposed to be. And that's what you got to do. Okay? And there's all kinds of chapters in the Bible that God says you better open that blessed book and start reading it. And you better do more than just reading it. You better learn it. 
And you better memorize it. And you better meditate upon it. Uh, Reuben, turn to Joshua 1.8. And read it out loud. Y'all can cross-reference it in your own Bibles. What does it say? And this is from of old. From the man of God, by the spirit of Christ in him. And Joshua wrote down what God told him because God is now speaking. And what does God say to us? And we'll bring it up on the middle screen on the King James side. Joshua 1.8. Okay, this book of the what? Law. At this point, there was only five books known as the Pentateuchs. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So he said to the children of Israel, this book of the law shall not Depart where out of your mouth. I mean, don't you dare cease to talk about it. And then what? Meditate. Do you know what the word meditate means in Hebrew? It means when you take something and you really examine it. And you swish it around until you get every fiber, every taste, every juice out of it. That's what it means. So that means you're to be in the word of God day and night thinking about it, running it through your repertoires, asking yourself, hmm, Lord, what does that mean? What is that? Oh, boy, did you see what God did there? Oh, what did Abraham do when God had the lantern lit and they, he walked between the two pieces of meat? What did that mean, Lord? Oh, my, what happened to Sarah? Why did she send her concubine to her husband? Hmm, was that fair to God? I mean, you begin to meditate upon the word of God until it becomes one with you. Okay? Then what? Observe to do according to all that you Observe means what? What does observe means? Obey. Observe here means to obey. Then you are to observe or obey what? Everything that is what? Written therein. In other words, don't you skip a letter. Not one iota. Do you know what an iota is in Greek? I mean in Hebrew? It's that smallest manuscript called the Yod. I, I, I'm getting good because I'm remembering my Hebrew. <laughs> but Gary, it, it looks like a little comma. Little bitty fella. That's the one when Jesus said, not one tilt or jilt of this letter will pass away, okay, of his word. He said, heaven and earth will pass away first before one little, little, and that's the yard, is dishonored. 
Well, here he's saying, even the smallest Hebrew letter to Yod, you're to know in God's word. What does it mean? Even last night, Gary, I'm looking again at Yahweh. And it means the one who is always present. Because another translation under the Schofield teaching was the self-existent one who reveals himself. But this new thing, looking back, said it is the noun with the to be verb, meaning the one who is always present. That's God. So, and Joshua said, when you get in there and you study God's word like this and you consume it and you digest it and you obey it, he said, then you will make your way what? You'll make your way what? Other words, your life journey will now become a failure. Is that what he said? No. Is there a difference between prosperity and success? Absolutely. Because he said, you are going to prosper. Some good things are going to happen to who? To you. Some good things are going to come to you. All right? And then the second part of that is, he says, then you will have good what? Success. That means, Gary, you're not going to be a failure. Not only are good things going to come to you, but you're not going to be a failure in the eyes of Christ. Because you have done what the word of God had told you to do. That's why you're here. So you cannot take a casual approach to God's word. You have to diligently seek out the yards. And in Greek, iota. It's that smallest little letter with the dot on top called the iota. Okay? And that would call iota subscript. That means it's almost hidden down there. You got to look for it. Okay? So, Miss Vicky sitting there, she's going, hmm, I guess I don't have nothing to do today. Let me turn on the television and see all my children in the world's time and all the days of my life. A <laughs> God and light. That's real old school, isn't it? When I was a little boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what it is today. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> but, so, or you're riding in your car, get the Bible on DVD. A CD and pop it in that old CD player. And if you fancy like he, uh, uh, Ruben is, hook your little ox cord up and let your MP3 player just bring out the word of God. And you're listening to it as you're writing. And so Paul is really calling this church out. So the Jews sitting in that audience, I don't know the time, fellas. I don't have my watch on. So y'all, am I over? Seven right now.
You're seven right now? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. You just called me out, didn't you? I did. <laughs> All right. And we're about finished here. No, we're not. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna march right along. So, uh, yes, please. Thank you very much. Uh, 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 uh. Ooh, so now you got to go back and redo it. Cause it remembered the last calling that you put. So just that's why I was trying to stop is that because uh, uh, I knew it was gonna was gonna do that. First Corinthians nine verse sixteen. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse sixteen. Chapter nine. Chapter nine. Oh, okay, I understand what was Verse sixteen. I know. So though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid up for me. Yeah, warn to me if I preach not the gospel, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And listen, that means God's going to have some grace toward me because I'm stupid. People, you can't fight God and win. <coughs> I don't care if you're a 16-year-old boy with your head laying on a chair. A 37-year-old man, or how old Miss Vicky is, don't matter. Twenty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> <In line. laughs> uh, <laughs> you still have to engage in the Word of God. You still have to engage in the work of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ did not call you and I here to be lazy. You still have to look for those moments of opportunity like Miss Marita, but she's a hound dog. <laughs> and she gets out and she gets in. She's up front. She's direct, And she's in your face. Some folks in some seminary will call her confrontational gospel. Well, let me tell you, did they not read Paul's letters? Because what was he? Yes, up in your face, direct and bold, and with confidence in telling you about yourself. Okay? But with much love. He's not doing it derogatorily to hurt you. He's not doing it with malice or forethought. By no means. He's doing it with the love of God and Lord Jesus. And so he's telling these people, like, okay, get it together. There, there's some grace here. Just look at my own life. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, warn to me if I preach the gospel willingly. If God got to make me do something, then ain't no sense of me doing it. Because how many times, Chrissy, have you said to your children, uh, Miss Vicky, or uh, Miss Marie, to the boys, if you feel that way about it, don't do it. I do it myself. Okay. Because I don't want your attitude. God don't want your attitude. Keep your works to yourself. You don't care how good you are. Keep it to yourself. Okay? Because it doesn't profit the Father anything. So, what is your reward? Jesus. Verse 19 of verse 18. 
What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer is free of charge and so not use of my rights in preaching it. I had a seminary buddy tell me when he goes out and speak, his minimum fee is $300. And he said, preacher, how much you charge? I said, zero. I said, if they want to give me an offering, that's okay, but they're not compelled to. How about Bill speech? He don't belong to Jesus. <laughs> the world, do what he want. That's the world. world takes care of his own, right, Gary? But men of God, Paul just said, is the gospel must be given, what? Freely. It's not for sale. Okay? So, verse 20. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. Did you not see some Jewish language in this letter? When he talked about the temple? And the offerings? The Jews understood that. Alright? To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Who are the ones under the law? So though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. So those are the Jews. To those not having the law, who are those? Gentiles. I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. In other words, he's saying I know how to operate in both camps. Okay? In order to win some to Christ. So Gary, you have to go and know when to speak the language of a certain group of kids and then when to pull back from another group of kids. Because I know there are folks in this town, I can get in their face and I can just act like an army sergeant with them. And it's okay. Because that's the language they understand. And then there are others I got to be very sensitive with. Because they're easily bruised. And so... I know how to deal with them. And at times I just don't say nothing at all. Because that's where the Holy Spirit wants you to deal with them. Shut your mouth and just walk away. Verse 21. Actually, verse 22. To the weak I became weak that I might gain the weak. <clears throat> I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Okay, now let's kind of clarify that a little bit. That don't mean you're going to become a drunk too. Okay, that, that's not what he's saying. That doesn't mean you don't become a thief also in order to win thieves. You meet them where they are. Okay. You don't say, oh, because they're like this, I'm not going to go to them. Or they're like this, I'm not going to go to them. No, you go and love them. Go and love them where they are. Let Jesus do the rest. Okay? I was out riding with a pastor one day, and he was talking about how difficult it was to reach people in his area. And I said, Pastor, have you rode your area? Yeah. 
did you stop? Well, I said, let's ride. And we rode around and we seen some brothers, and then you know what I'm saying, brothers, some black men, up on the oak tree playing cards. And guess what they had on the table too, Gary? The fifth of whiskey, liquor. I mean, bottles of it in there. And all of a sudden, a new car pulls up, a bald-haired white guy and a bald-haired black guy. What did we look like? Five <laughs> O. The police. Oh. <laughs> and they started putting their little liquor away. So I get. I said, No, 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 no. You don't have to do that. I'm gonna tell you who we are. And I said, God already knows what you're doing. So you, why are you trying to hide it from us? You can't hide it from Him. And they go, Preacher, you crazy? I said, I know I am. <laughs> what you playing, man? We playing a hard. I said, Okay. Let's sit and rap about it. Hey, where y'all go to church? Well, we were going up to there. All right, you use the, 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 the word were. What made you stop? That preacher, he don't never come around and check on people. I said, really? You ever go check on him? No, in love both ways? Yes. Okay. And we sat and we shoot the breeze for the next two or three hours. And we laughed. And we left, they gave us hugs, and we walked away. And my buddy said, wow, man, what just happened back there? I said, you loved them. You met them where they are. You didn't go being judgmental. Said, you're going to die and go to hell because you're drinking it. You're drunk, you're no good, you're drunk at it, you're gambling, and you're doing this and cussing. And... I said, no, uh-uh. But he already knew he was wrong in the eyes of God. So when we got out the car, he started doing what? He started hiding. I know, I won't put the big black butt on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that just went around the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, I assure you it's not what it <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> Michael can edit. Michael can edit it. To God be the glory for high tech. So, you love people. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that all might be partakers thereof with you. Listen, you become all things to people for the gospel's sake. Because one day, one of them people are going to be doing what? They're going to be carrying the gospel too. They're going to be sharing it. Because you was a sinner too once. I was too. And what am I doing now? Preaching and sharing the gospel. Okay? Don't forget that when you're correcting people whose lives are not lining up with the word of God. Remember your life didn't line up once too with God. Mine did neither. And sometimes it still don't. And I have to fall on my face. Okay, I have to be honest with, with, with God. Know you not that they which run in a race, uh-oh, yeah, Gary, he done switched to a different analogy on us, hadn't he? He's talking about the Olympics. He's talking about running in a race, a marathon runner. Okay? 
Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And the race here he's talking about is what? What race is he talking about here? What analogy is he bringing forth to you and I? What parallelism is he making here? He said, don't you know that all runners run in the race? But yeah, but only one gets the what? The prize. That's from a worldly point. That's from a secular point. And the prize that they were, he was referring to was that reef. Okay? That garland. And no matter how hard you train, if you come in number two, your training was in vain. I ran track before and got my butt blowed away. <laughs> I had lead feet. Then, verse 25, it says, everyone who competes in the games go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And Paul and John calls it the crown of life. Which the righteous king has stored up for us. In Revelation chapter 4, we see the 24 elders do what? They bow down before God who sits upon the throne. And they cast their crowns before him. The crowns of life. So, every Christian is running in the race until we get to the end. The end is the end of our lives here on earth. The, 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 the reward, the crown is eternal life from the righteous king, Jesus Christ. Okay? And what he's going to tell you here that in verse 26, therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. You ever seen a runner that they have to put him back in his lane? Because he got out of the lane? Because he gets his head back in the lane. Y'all didn't ever watch track and field? They stay in that lane, don't they? Oh, we've had crazy run. Huh? That drift, yeah, drift out of the lane. You got it. It's not about a ran track. And the coach said, look, stay in your lane. Okay? Jesus saying, you run this race. Stay in your lane. Okay? But here, he's going to tell you something about your training. Okay? Watch what he tells you. So therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Otherwise, my training is not in vain. My training is producing something. <coughs> Otherwise, I got discipline. The word there, the Greek word that's used there is where we get our word gymnastic from. So I train myself or I discipline myself where I know that I'm going to get results. Remember last week when I read to you all my little book? And one of the things I laid out in there was to get up early in the morning and do what? Seek God. As tired as I was last night from waiting on this baby to come and the complications that my daughter was having, I couldn't sleep. I look at the clock and it's 4.15. I get up at 
5 a.m. and go before the Lord. So I said, well, I might as well get on up. As tired as I am. In fact, I pushed the 5 o'clock alarm off. And I wanted to say, mmm, 6.30, that's when I get the kids up. An hour and a half later. So I'm going, okay, maybe the Lord will just understand this one. The closer it got to the time, the more restless I became until I got on up. Why? Because my body is now disciplined <coughs> to get up at 5 o'clock to go before the Lord. That's what he's saying. You train yourself in the things of God. Discipline yourself to go before the Lord. Read the word of God. Remember I told y'all for over 20 years, I disciplined myself to read six chapters a day. Whether I was on the battlefield or in training or back in at home, I read six chapters or more a day. Six chapters was my minimum. Three in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament. And I did that for over 20 years. That's how I learned the word. Strict discipline. And now what the Holy Spirit is doing, he's sharpening that which he had taught me over those 20 years. And now that's been 32 years ago. Wow. Been 32 years, Gary. 32 years. Last month was 32 years. So. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Although he's not talking about losing eternal life. But Paul did talk about works that's going to pass through the fire. Whether it be of hay, stubble, or wood, or gold, or silver. What's your work going to be? When you discipline yourself before the Lord, when you run the race with Jesus, don't run to try and outrun all runners. In this race, you don't have to be the fastest. You just got to finish. And uh, Mr. Rubin, as we get ready to close up, if you choose CIU, here's the slogan on CIU. You ready for it? Finish well. Finish well that's what everybody say to each other finish well Gary tell your students finish well okay you start this finish well so Miss Marie finish well Emma finish well okay Zor finish well because the race is not given to the swift but it's given to the one that finish it. Okay? All right. Any questions? To God be the glory. Right, I'm going to let one of you all close out in prayer today. How about you, Ruben? Close us in prayer, please. Thank you for 
for the land this day. I pray that for each and every one of us, you help us all, that we keep our focus on you, that we discipline you. Father, we will walk day by day. Let God will become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to increase us all in the knowledge of your work. And above all, Lord, that we may learn to observe, to obey, and to walk according to your work. So, Lord, we thank you that God is saving Pray, my Father, for all of us. That, Lord, what we have learned today will be of an impact to our lives and will cause a positive change. The Lord will not be like them that strike the wind. The Father will run this place knowing that there is a prize ahead of us that we have prepared. So, Lord, we thank you and we honor you in us with. This past this evening, this past week of blessings, that the Lord will guide and give each and every one of us all be your will of the world and of everything we take in. We give you praise, we give you glory, and in Jesus' name we pray. Well, for those who are listening, that was our dear brother Reuben from Kenya. And uh, he loved the Lord. want you all to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no other name in which salvation can be found under heaven other than the name of Jesus. God sent him. He came. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, that salvation, that repentance is now, the kingdom of God is now, and that by his blood, he washed away our sins, and there's no salvation outside of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Commit your life. Don't say a little prayer and call yourself saved. Being a disciple is a lifelong commitment to Jesus. A lifelong commitment of loving Him and God our Father. Please do so now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.